It's good to hear those truths and examples from the Word of God. And it's a pleasure sometimes in our own lives to think when by faith we touch the hem of His garment. And receive the forgiveness of sins. And that's what it's all about. Preaching, Genesis, Revelation, it's his story. It's about the Son of God who came into the world to save sinners. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And it's a pleasure, as Paul said, when sin revived, I died. Paul says, I seen my need. And it's a pleasure when God touches our hearts and shows us that we're sinners in need of God's grace and forgiveness. And then through the mercy of God, he shines that love into our hearts and gives each one of his children in his own time that peace of God that passeth all understanding. I thank you, Brother Ray, for those illustrations. and They speak louder than words. When you see the love of God and you see the hand of God and we see Jesus fulfilling the promises of God and the will of God, his Father. When I came in this morning, I was walking up here and one of the little boys came up to me and said, what are you going to preach on today? I said, we love him because he first loved us. Oh, he said, I memorized that verse. I said, amen, amen. And you know, Paul said, the love of Christ constrains us. If there's anything that'll touch a sinner's heart, if there's anything to melt a hard heart, it's the love of God. When you see my faith, and it's revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, that God loves you, it'll melt your heart, it'll draw you to Christ. And by faith you'll cast all your care upon him because you know he careth for you. The text in John 1, 1 John 4, 19 says, We love him because he first loved us. What a, what a wonderful verse that is. I didn't cause God to love me because I did something. But he loved me before I was ever born. Before I came into the world. John in 1 John, he says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. He had put his love upon us that we should be called the children or sons of God. What manner? It's amazing. Look, behold that love. Don't you think sometimes in your heart and you say, How could my Savior to Calvary go? How could he love me? So. And that's the greatness of God's word. It melts our hearts. Jesus in his prayers in John 17 says, 
I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. We know in the covenant of grace that the Father gave his children to Jesus Christ to redeem, to love, to cherish, and one day to be with him in glory. And we're looking forward to that day. This verse has a lot in it. We're just going to quote it. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he was the King of kings and Lord of lords in glory. Yet for your sake he became poor. He humbled himself and took on human nature. That ye through his poverty might be rich, rich in grace. The grace of God. Apostle Paul says in Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Who? Amen. Sinners. Amen. He didn't wait till you believed and wait till you was righteous and wait for you to do something. He died for you in a helpless state. Were you without strength and without God in the world? When you was a sinner and deserving hell, Jesus died for us. Hmm. That's precious. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Brother Dave mentioned that many times. Therefore, with love and kindness, I have drawn thee. And I believe that's what Paul was getting at. The love of God constrains us. It draws us. You want to be more obedient to the Lord? Meditate more upon the love of God. Meditate more on Christ and Him crucified. And let pray that the Holy Spirit will break your heart and melt your heart and pour that love into your soul. And that will draw you more to follow the Lord. God doesn't beat us. He draws us. Brother David, home church, is preaching through Ephesians. Once in a while I get on some of his verses and I say, well, Brother David, I'm just going to give a little comment. But in Ephesians 2, 4, it says, but God who is rich in mercy. I'm glad God put it that way. He's rich in what? Mercy. What do sinners need? Mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. When did he love us? Before the foundation of the world. An everlasting love. You know, Paul says, what, who can separate us from the love of Christ? No one can. No one. I want you to think about his love for us. For us. In Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. You ever had times in your life where you just didn't know how to put words into, put your prayers into words? Sometimes you just groan in your heart, but the Lord, the Lord can read those groans, those, that sorrow, that loneliness, that, that distress that's in your soul. He can read that and understand that. That's a God we serve. He can read your mind. He knows your thoughts are far off. 
in the preciousness of this, it says he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Touched. When you see a little child, like one of these little children suffering with sick and have a fever, that touches your heart, the parent. Jesus, children, when they're suffering, he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. God is touched with us. Jesus is the Son of God. What a precious truth that is. Paul said in Romans 8, 31, What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, for us, everything God does, He does for us as children. Who can be against us? As we read yesterday. Verse 32 said, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Freely, without cause. Oh, beloved, the love of God is just so precious. This I mentioned yesterday in Romans 8, 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercessions for us. We are a peculiar people, a particular people. We are God's beloved. You know, in First John, and preaching through First John, the epistle of John, and he refers to the, his people he's talking to as their father. He calls them my little children, my beloved. And that's how we should look at one another. We're children of God. We are the family of God. And we need to love and show our love to each other, not in word and deed, but in action. Love is an action word. It must be seen. Some mean, so many people today love in word and deed, but not, and, and we're just in word only, lip service, but they don't love in deed. And that's how we should follow the Lord in our love. It should be seen. One of the greatest subjects in the Word of God is Christ dying is our substitute. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. You say, no one loves me. Yes, there's one who's loved you from eternity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has loved us with an everlasting love. And God's love was demonstrated at Calvary, Brother Jimmy. How did God show His love? He sent His Son to suffer the wrath of God in our behalf. The Apostle Peter said He bore our sins in His body on the tree. Who sins? Our sins, your sins, on the tree. He had no sins. He was without blemish and without spot. Oh, how we need to love him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he said in another verse in that same chapter, if a man love me, he will keep my commandments. You know, we can sing, oh, I love Jesus. One woman told her son, it's not how loud you shout or how high you jump in the church, but it's how you walk when your feet hit the ground that counts. There's a lot of emotionalism. I'm not against emotion, praising the Lord, lifting up holy hands to God. But our lives should back that up. 
We have a sermon on our website, which just has many downloads. It was, preacher, it was preached by a preacher here in this congregation, Elder Jimmy Barber. It's on this text. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus hung on the tree and was cursed. He bore our curse. That's why there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's why we don't have to fear facing the wrath of God in the future. He bore that wrath, that curse for us on the tree. For us. Everything was for us. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2, Paul says, And walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. As I've been reading 1 John and teaching on it, the one verse it said, Where Christ, If Christ so loved us, he laid down his life for us. We should lay down our lives one for another. We should be willing, by the grace of God, to lay down our lives if need be. Some of the saints in the past had to lay down their lives for other believers. There were some in the word of God that was willing to lay down their life for Paul. Now we must ask ourselves the question. Would I be willing to lay down my life for a brother and sister if God called me to do that? I pray that all of us, by the grace of God, would do it. But I did emphasize in the sermon that I preached. I was going to preach that here and, and decided to preach on this one this morning. But if we can't surrender ourselves to the, to the obedience of our Lord Jesus Christ and lay down ourself, our selfish deeds, our selfish will, how can we lay down our lives for the brethren? If you're not willing to obey Christ and follow Christ in your life, how am I going to love Jimmy? The way I should. Love Brother Ray, Brother Roger, Brother Dave, Brother Herman, all these other brothers and sisters. You've, we got the first thing. It says first they gave themselves to the Lord and then unto us. What we need in our churches today is for the people of God to come back to the basics and give themselves to the Lord. Totally commitment. You look at the life of Paul. He was willing to die for the Lord. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm not willing just to suffer. I'm willing to die. Perhaps he can chop my head off. He was determined to serve God with everything he had. And I think the reason he had that attitude, he saw the Lord that day on the road to Damascus. Saw that love. He was drawn with that love. And he never forgot it. You know, he says... I'm determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said, I keep in front of my eyes the crucified Lord. And that draws me and pushes me, forgetting the things that are behind. Forgetting those things I did when I persecuted the church of God. It's all been forgiven, but I'm pressing toward that mark to prize the high calling of Christ Jesus. That should be your attitude and my attitude. You don't hear much on this subject today. Hell, there's a living, burning hell awaiting on God-haters and God-rejecters. Yeah. 
Paul said in First Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living, notice that, the living and true God. There's many people today worshiping false gods. There's only one true and living God. And to wait for His Son from heaven. That's what we're doing now. Each one of us are waiting patiently for the coming of the Lord. As I said yesterday, I'm longing for that day. When I shall behold my Lord face to face. And I shall be changed into His likeness. And when the bodies come out of the grave, hallelujah. I told him at church, I'm going to look over and see my blessed mother going up. And I'll be going with her. <laughs> hallelujah. You know, the hope of the resurrection. And we got preachers today, so-called preachers, denying the resurrection of the body. Denying that there will be a resurrection. All I can say, God have mercy on their soul. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from what? From the wrath to come or from hell. He paid our sin debt. There's nothing against us anymore, Brother Ray, nothing. He gave himself for us, Titus 2.14. Who gave himself for us. That he might redeem us from all iniquity. And he didn't save you that you could sin. Some people think. Well since I'm saved by the grace of God. I can live any way I please. I can just keep on sinning. He redeemed us from all iniquity. And purified. And purified himself. A peculiar people. Zealous of God. Zealous, uh, zealous of good works. Not zealous to sin. Right. Amen. you got the attitude that you can sin. It doesn't make any difference. You don't know the grace of God. Amen. Paul said the grace of God that has, has appeared teaching us denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly, godly, and righteous when in this present world. Not the one to come. We'll be like him then. But we're to live present tense. A godly, holy, separated life. That's what sanctification is. Another good verse we think about, the word for us. Christ is the forerunner for us. Hebrews 6.20 says, Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He's already entered the veil. And one day his father's going to say, Son, it's time to get up. Time to go get your children. Come to get our children. Bring them home. He said, I'm going to, every one, I'm going to raise them up at the last day. Not one of them shall be lost. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. He has all authority and all power. Amen. He's called the power of God and the wisdom of God in Corinthians. Aren't you grateful that he has the power to perform what he promised? And also we have eternal redemption for us. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood. His own blood. He entered into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Not part-time redemption. 
Eternal redemption. You know, Peter said, you were not redeemed with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. His blood is what cleanses us from all sin. He bore our sins on the tree, Peter said. Bore our sins. My filthy, ungodly, righteous sins were laid upon Christ. And on that cross, as he was being crucified, and he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was our sins that put him there. He came from heaven to die. Oh, beloved, what love that is. If the love of God cannot soften our hearts, then nothing can. And it takes the Holy Spirit. It's not just these words being read to you that's going to soften your heart. It takes the ministry of the indwelling Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and soften our hearts and reveal that love to you. It will break you and it will bring you to the feet of Jesus. And you'll be like Paul. You'll say, Lord, what would thou have me to do? Peter says, for even hitherto you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. We should be obedient to him as he was obedient to his father. And to be obedient to Christ is to be obedient to the Father. Because he came to do, as Brother Ray brought out, he came to do the will of the Father. Because they're one. This is the verse I preached on a few weeks ago. 1 John three sixteen. I mentioned earlier. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. When I was studying that, the Holy Spirit got a hold to me. And that first just, I thought about, he laid down willingly his life on our behalf. He laid it down. He loved me. I didn't see nobody else. I saw me. He laid down his life on my behalf. When you see that, oh, beloved, what a precious truth that is. Precious. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And when I read, when you read that, you say, Lord, I need thy grace to do that. The church of God is known by its love, I believe, to one another. And if we cannot love one another, how can we be a witness to the world? There's so many divisions and uh, in the, among God's people today, one going this way, one going that way. We're not of this group. We're not of this group. And some of these groups are not God's people because they teach false doctrines or not following Christ. But those are in a congregation who have been by God's grace called to be in a particular assembly. We need to show love one to another by the, by the grace of God. You need to love your pastor. We need to love each other. And John says it this way, if you see a brother in need and you don't meet his need, how can dwell the love of God in you? It's a serious serving God. Kind of getting off a little bit on that subject, but it's, it's in, it fits in. Love has to be seen, not heard. He 
It says in Hebrews 10, 20, but by a new and living way, which he had consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. Oh, how his flesh was slain and tortured on our behalf. He's there now to appear in the presence of God for us, as I mentioned yesterday. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. See, everything he did and is doing is for us. No wonder Paul says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? No one can. Not yet that he should offer himself often as he high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of, blood of others. He did it once and for all. Never to be repeated again. And what's the next stage in Christ's ministry? He's coming back for us. Coming back. 1 Corinthians 15, 23 says, But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. He told his children, Fear not, little flock. Fear not. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you, each one of us, to myself, that you may be where I am. Hallelujah. That is some great, great news, beloved. I pray that a few of these things I've said to you this morning, that you'll meditate upon these thoughts. The love of God. And take it personally. Don't think about, well, he loves so-and-so. That could be true. But does he love you? Has he manifested himself to you? That's when it becomes personal. Paul says, who loved me and died and gave himself for me. Can you say that? Can I say that? Then Jesus says, rejoice because not the devils are subject unto you. But we should be rejoicing this morning because our names are written in heaven. Hallelujah. May we pray. Father, thank you for these few words. May you bless us now as we continue. We thank you for this opportunity to be here at Covenant. Thank you for the people of God here. Thank you for the visitors. And we thank you again, Brother Ray and I. I know, Father, are thankful for this opportunity to preach the Word of God. In Jesus' name we'll give thanks. Amen. Amen. Brother Jimmy.